I'm Patrick Simmons. And I'm Mike Little. And this is All Downhill. This is our second take of attempting to say something about, I guess not just Paris, I think the refugee crisis as a whole. Yeah, I think uh, we decided to re-record this uh, simply because uh, we were, I think, a little bit too focused last time. For Thursday, November 19th, this is All Downhill. This episode, The Syrian Refugee Crisis. I can't tell what's worse. The hit the magic button on Facebook and watch your profile picture suddenly get to be even dumber than when it turned rainbow colors. Now it will be the French flag. And, and I'm not saying the problem with showing solidarity with France. That's just a really stupid way to do it. It's, it, you know, look, I changed my profile I never picture. got that. I don't know if that's dumber, though, or the people who are putting different countries' flags over their profile picture to, like, protest it. Like, oh, I put the Syrian flag on my profile picture to show where the, you know, solidarity for the real victims. And it's like, okay, I, I get it. But that's not any less dumb than the french one i was actually i was actually just out of curiosity to see if anybody had a lebanese flag gradient anywhere no one does i've seen i've seen the syrian flag i've seen israeli flags i've seen the french flags i even i even saw a turkish flag but i know no lebanese flag either because by the way they they were also bombed the shit out of by isis um the day before paris but no one talks about it which you know I, I, just no, I think that's a good place to start. So Vox.com, you sent this article to me. But Vox <laughs> basically claims, so now everybody's complaining that the media didn't report heavily enough on the bombing the day before the Paris bombing on this enormous bombing in Beirut. Yeah, exactly. Beirut, uh, okay. Lebanon, which is, um, I'm going to throw a conspiracy theory out here. Beirut, you know, the, the, the bombings happened in Paris the other day. Yeah. Beirut is frequently referred to as the Paris of the Middle East. And New York, which was the center of, of 9-11, has the Statue of Liberty, which was made in Paris, France. So you want to throw out the conspiracy theory that this is all against the French? Yes, that's that, that's that's rough. But that's okay. it. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> let um, let our listeners decide. But anyway, no. So basically, what he's saying is all the major news media articles and outlets posted this. They covered it sufficiently, and no one paid attention to it. And then two days later, everyone's bitching because the media didn't report it. So it's it's people are saying the media didn't cover it, and Vox is saying yes, we did, and people didn't pay attention. Yeah, because they don't care because they. they they don't give, you know, <laughs> they don't give, uh, what's the line from the song? They don't give uh, equal... Uh, uh, worth to tragedies occurring in English-speaking countries as they do to non-English-speaking Exactly, countries. yeah. Thanks, Grubies Pip. Um, so so you, you have the better opening to sort of broadening that up because, as you said earlier, you were listening to NPR all day the day the, the day... Yeah, so out, normally, yeah, normally when I'm at work, um, I, I, I have a desk job so I can listen to my MP3 player, which I normally do. I listen to podcasts, music. Occasionally I turn on, like, internet radio every sure. once in a while. Uh, I forgot my MP3 player, so I had no podcasts, no no internet radio. So I was listening to NPR all day on, uh, what was that, the uh, the 12th? Because the uh, yes. Paris bombings happened on the 13th. So that would be the 12th. So that'd be the 12th. And there was not a single mention on NPR, and I was listening all day. Now, I may have missed a little bit at lunch, because I didn't listen at lunch. However, they run news every, what, probably top of the hour kind of thing? They run news blurbs, I believe? I, yeah. yeah, that sounds about They run right. news blurbs at the top of the hour. Not a single one was about Beirut. I didn't know about it at all. Uh, 
I had no clue. And the next morning, before the Paris bombings, I was listening to it in my car on the way to work. Nothing about Beirut whatsoever, even the day of. And you would think that it would be, before anybody, you know, tries to pull out the, well, less people died in Beirut, uh, the death toll, at least in the New York Times report on it, uh, says Lebanese Health Ministry puts the death toll at 43 dead people and over 200 wounded. Yeah, not as many dead as Paris, but that's a huge-ass number of people still. Yeah, it was a huge huge number, yeah. Isn't that a bigger number than Paris? I think it actually is when you count wounded, wounded, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Casualties. Uh, Yeah, sure. Uh, But but no, so I was listening to NPR all day, and then today I hear at the top of every hour on the little, like, news blurb that they do, I heard, oh, and people are complaining about Beirut, that we didn't cover it. Well, NPR did cover it. And so I'm thinking, no, you fucking didn't. So I looked on their, I, I, I know that I didn't hear it. So I looked on their website, and here it is, an article. It's just a small little couple paragraph article, nothing huge. And it's gone the next day. I, I didn't even see it. It was just totally gone. And I didn't know about the Beirut bombing. Uh, I normally check Al Jazeera just about every day or every other day. That was happened to be a day I didn't check it. So I didn't know, because I know Al Jazeera would post something like that. And when I went back, I, I looked, I saw they did post something. But it just kind of goes, I think that the news media is really just sort of expecting us to not care about it, because that's the sort of place where that sort of thing is known to happen a lot. But Beirut, and I did a little bit of research into this, is very, they don't really have a lot of terrorist attacks happening in Beirut. However, uh, if you look at the Vox article, they actually have more Syrian refugees there than in France. I think uh, currently France has, uh, I think, what's the number? It's 1.1 million Syrian refugees in, in Lebanon, and then Syria. about 600,000 uh, in France, or or something like that, or, or, or somewhere around those numbers. Okay. So it's super disproportionate, especially since Lebanon is such a small country. So it's kind of surprising that it hasn't happened yet, that something that big hasn't happened in Lebanon yet, especially since Hezbollah is actually fighting ISIS. And they're so close. The proximity is so close. So that shows you the import that ISIS has really put on France. So on the 12th, uh, on the New York Times' website, uh, looking through the captures over the course of the day, I can't find an article on Beirut on their homepage. See, and that's the they, thing. I mean, they have an article on, on Beirut. Vox links to it. it. It's definitely, there is an article on and ISIS it's, it's, claiming it's fairly extensive. for it. And it is a, it's a fairly extensive article, but I can't find any evidence that it was, in fact, on their main page. And yeah, so I think that really kind of speaks to, I think Vox is just kind of saying, look, oh, it's really just you dumb fucks who are too busy on your smartphones and wanting to hear what you want to hear and reading what you want to read instead of paying attention to the news. Clearly, and I'm a person who generally tries to stay on top of the news I didn't do it like really aggressively that day, but I was listening to NPR all day. I would have thought I would have heard something. You would definitely think. And it mentions, mm-hmm. so here's another mention. The New York Times mentions on their site that the Beirut article did appear in print on the 13th, uh, so the day of the Paris bombings. But all of those Which, five thing, people read it? Well, for one thing, I think it's fair to say that anything that appeared in print on the day of the Paris bombings is likely to have been missed. Yeah, no. You're that, not reading the sense. newspaper when you can turn on the TV and see something being blown up. Although, to be fair, the Paris stuff happened in the afternoon for us. In the afternoon. Well, the other thing is the the New York Times article on Beirut was on page A6, according to the New York Times. Page site, A6. A6. Yeah. So we're not talking this as front, front page news. Now, in all fairness, usually news that happens in other countries isn't. But I bet you front page news included things like some kind of bitching about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Oh, I'm sure that they did. And actually, I say this without picking up a copy and making sure, obviously. But I actually heard more today, more bitching about Donald Trump and the quote-unquote Republican problem with immigration and how they're all picking it up because of the Paris thing and the and and the whole oh these people are Syrian migrants that 
that pulled off this attack sort of thing. I've been hearing more about that today than I have about Paris and Beirut combined. Right. Like all day. I want to be, I want to, that's a hard subject. And that's, I think the big problem with the refugee crisis is that's where we get into, there is, I think, justification for both sides of this argument. Yeah. On one hand, letting immigrants in, uh, letting refugees in, I should, you know, I'll be fair here. Letting Mm -hmm. refugees in can pose a potential security threat. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not saying don't let any refugees in. Don't misconstrue what I'm doing here. But there's a clear potential security threat only in the sense of if you are letting large numbers of people in, I'm not saying the refugees are terrorists i'm saying a terrorist could easily slip in with them and you know people are saying that's why we need uh, some kind of good background check system and other people are saying well that's why you can't land any refugees because there is no good background check system i think both of those are actually fairly true i think i, I accept the i don't think you need a good background check system only because it is in fact impossible there is no way to check every refugee for that matter it's damn near impossible to check even a refugee and determine if they're a terrorist exactly well so that's why you somebody said i think uh you just don't let in the um the the males of of uh, of combat age of uh, some sort or something like that. I actually have an issue with that too. I have which two is kind of with that. because bizarre. one issue with that I think is missed out on. You know, there's child bombers. There are there can be women side suicide bombers, and I, I know there have been. That isn't a foolproof plan. You're then getting into the territory of so do you split up families? And once you split them up, what do the men do? Is it yes, you can come in, ma'am, and your kids can come in, and uh, while you're floundering around bazillions of miles away from your home country, we're gonna what ship your husband back? Yeah, and see, I mean, I didn't agree with it either but i mean that's something that has been thrown around yeah like and it's just kind of bizarre people also do this whole well the the refugees clearly (laughs) don't need to get in because they have smartphones or whatever so clearly they're wealthy and stuff and which i think is i think at least we're finally starting to see the death of that argument when people are the situation has escalated to the point of i think your average intelligent person does realize that it doesn't matter one darn bit if they have a smartphone they're not fleeing being broke they're fleeing bombings yeah, um, I mean, no amount if, of having a smartphone protects you against. I mean, I suppose there might, in, we might, you know, is, is there an app for that? Is there an app that tells you if a bomb's landing on your head? I don't think so, <laughs> because I'm not seeing smartphones helping you with that. See, wait, no, Patrick, that's where we need to corner the market. We're we should release an app that tells you when people are gonna bomb bomb your ass. Them having smartphones doesn't mean they're rich and don't need help. And yeah. even even if they do come over with a bunch of money, it's still the issue of is the issue whether we're taking care of them or letting them in at all. But I do think we're finally starting to see the death of their two rich to need our help argument and we're, we're getting to the there's more to this than that this is this is getting away from being bombed this isn't this is not an economic migration yeah but i'm not thinking to the large degree it's not like these people want to leave their homes well no and would you i mean like would you if you grew up in this place if you grew i mean you grew up here and someone just started bombing the shit out of it which you did grow up here w- would you want to like come no, back at no. some point would you want to leave no i think no I'm you, sure you, you would again, have to leave I'm sure if there's people, people who are bombing live places where they want out i'm sure there's people who live in syria and actually don't want to live there and are refugees there are people who are born in new york city or alaska or a- anywhere on earth and they're like man i'd really like to live anywhere but here if your place starts to get bombed and you leave you're not leaving because of that you're leaving because of the bombing yeah basically <laughs> So, I mean, but that still leaves you with the whole problem of, well, what do we do with these people? Who do we let in? Yeah, who Who do we let let in? And I think that's, it's almost even less straightforward than the whole illegal immigration thing that everyone's been harping on. Like, you know, like Mexican or or South American illegal immigrants. Well, because also refugees aren't, they're not like illegal illegal immigrants. There's, you know, there's pretty significant, usually, ramifications to being a a refugee. It's not like you show up as a refugee and you sneak in and take her gerbs. You know, if you come in as a refugee, usually 
usually you've come in through a refugee program. It's why they talk about, you know, the president talks about admitting X number of refugees. They don't talk about admitting illegal immigrants. They may talk about offering amnesty or citizenship to yeah. them, but you never hear, well, let's admit 10,000 illegal immigrants. Refugees come in through a very different system. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a whole different thing. And I think that's kind of, and again, that was what I heard a lot of all day today, where they were just equating that argument to the refugee argument. And I think it's a very unfair comparison. Yeah, it's not Because the I think thing. there's more validity to saying, look, we need to keep some of these, you know, some of these people out, especially considering the climate, versus we just need to build a wall and deport all Mexicans because they're Turkin or gerbs. Um, right, exactly. 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 I, it's it's a much more situation. it's a much more sensitive situation. And I and like I said, I could see either way with the illegal immigrant thing. Yeah, they're here illegally, but they're fucking here. And who doesn't like good Mexican restaurants? Um, <laughs> we need more of them in places that are not Texas. Well, so here's my here's my other issue. And this is something I've given a lot of thought since the first time we tried to do an episode on this, which is why I uh, wanted to re-record this. So for those of you listening, if you missed it, this is a re-recording of us talking about this situation. There is some amount of argument, and I hadn't thought about this much before. When I initially wanted to talk about this, I was sort of bandwagoning in with the anger. And there was there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of people talking about how we need to be careful at this moment about being Islamophobic. And I was kind of into the, this is, that's bullshit. And I oh, still, very much so you I were. still actually think there is some degree of legitimacy to that being bullshit. I think the the biggest worry we have right now shouldn't be whether or not we're Islamophobic. I'm not saying we should be Islamophobic. I'm saying that's not that big a concern when places are getting blown up all the time. Now, some people have pointed out the two things that have made me think about that. One, and it's towards the Islamophobic aspect. And this is also towards why I actually don't think it's that bad an idea to let refugees in. Mm-hmm. In Europe especially, up until now, when we're mostly talking about the refugees. There was a lot of talk for a while in the news, and you still hear about it if you're paying attention, about people voluntarily leaving to join ISIS, or even joining ISIS from within the U.S. Mm-hmm. For yeah. example, the Boston Marathon bombers, they grew up here, didn't they? I, I don't think they, or at the very least... They were here for a very for yeah. quite a while, I believe. Yeah, um, and I'll provide a source on whether or not I'm wrong. I believe that, that they but... were here for maybe part of high school, or all of high school, yeah. and then college. The, the point is, If not, like... they were just here for college. Yeah, they didn't just, the very like, least. just show up. So, and you're getting more situations like that so which i think so that's that's an argument for why it it oddly is okay to let refugees in on one hand because you don't actually the terrorists don't just come from from refugees you can get for one thing some terrorists who are coming from other countries will get in with or without the refugees if they're going to sneak in they don't need a group of refugees to sneak in with whether or not that makes it easier and some of them are already here the fact that people are joining isis and leaving the country to do it indicates there are people who have this interest in blowing you up already you know they could be living next door to you don't get paranoid about your next door neighbors but you get the point get get paranoid about but, your next door neighbors but you, sh- you should anyway because they're probably you know their grass is greener than yours and their car is nicer their dogs are shitting on your lawn <laughs> right now as we speak go out there and just fucking key their car <laughs> do it but uh you and your next door neighbor in their porsches but seriously the there's there's already a possibility for them to be here uh, which is something that was brought to my mind especially by someone who pointed out uh, that it was a youtube video i'll link to it in the comments it's from the channel in a nutshell where they were talking about the refugee crisis and they noted that if the european union took in all of the refugees and if all of the refugees were muslim it would increase Europe's percentage of Muslims, because you know there's all this talk now about oh, yeah. how many Muslims are in Europe. From it's like from three to like four percent. So mm. it well, which while not a whole percent is not insignificant, it is 
damn near insignificant. It's not, you're not losing your culture or your society over this. Now, you may seem like you are because you have this issue of loud vocal groups, loud vocal minorities. Yeah. Um, you have a silent majority and you have a very vocal minority. But on the other hand, this isn't going to directly ruin your culture. There's actually not that many refugees and there's a shit ton of people in Europe, in the U.S. There's, there's a lot of us. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, that, so that's the one thing why I think actually we could let them in. Also, we have places like North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, where there's like all three people living there. Sorry, guys, but we all three of, of you. We have tons of space for refugees out there. We have tons <laughs> of space for them. If we don't want them living here, we can just put them there. Um, guys. <laughs> but, but it's the I'm just, thing. I mean, it's a joke, but seriously, we have just the space to do we, it. Yeah, we clearly have a lot of space. And again, it's not <coughs> actually that many people. Hey guys, this is Patrick Simmons, co-host of All Downhill, reminding you about our giveaway of a free signed copy of the novella Bill the Fly by author and All Downhill guest Nate Gutman. For information and details on how to enter, visit alternative-internet.com forward slash alldownhill, where you can also find more episodes of the show, show notes, advertising information, and details on how to get free All Downhill stickers. Our contest to win a free copy of Bill the Fly ends on American Thanksgiving, that's November 26th, so be sure to get your entries in by then. Be sure also to follow us on Twitter at All Downhill Show and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash All Downhill Show. And now back to the episode. So that's that now that's all on the one hand of supporting the refugees. Now here's the other thing, and this this again ties in with the fact that we already have terrorists here, and this is the in the favor of the Islamophobic side. Again, I'm not trying to be Islamophobic, I'm just giving some credence where credence is due. We already have some terrorists here, and they're Muslim. Now, for one thing, not all the refugees are. I think that's worth noting, and I know the thing I've been seeing around Facebook this afternoon is, uh, Obama says we're not going to let in any Christian refugees, just Muslim ones. Now, I haven't read anything on that because I'm assuming that is some kind of misinterpreted BS. If it's not, wow, that's messed up, but I'm assuming it is. I assume it has to be false. Yeah, because they're just assuming, <laughs> they're assuming that because they're from Syria, there are no Christians there. To the Islamic phobic side's defense, this is a, at least ISIS, is a uniquely Muslim problem. Now, I'm going to straight up throw out, that because there are people who who will point out, you know, well, maybe what if it's the CIA in Israel making ISIS? First of all, I don't really believe that. I, I don't actually know for sure. If, I'm sure the CIA has had some hand in them rising to power. They seem to be involved with that kind of thing, usually, with weapons showing up in places where they shouldn't. But that's but that's irrelevant. every conflict ever. And that doesn't make them not Muslims. Now, <laughs> there are Muslims who will say ISIS aren't real Muslims, and ISIS, and this is something worth bringing up, there's this concept of the gray zone ISIS likes to talk about, and we'll have a source for this. ISIS talks on a supposedly ISIS run website yeah. about this gray zone and how when events like this happen, uh, like what they call the glory operations of 9-11 people tend to side with either the crusaders which they which talk is about, the west the quote west unquote. they talk about bush specifically a lot but they just the west in general or they'll side with the true muslims like isis so basically they're saying the it's the it's the gray zone muslims will pick a side and they'll either become apostate heretics and join the crusaders or they will join the true muslims which is another people you know then people pull this back and they'll go that's why we can't hate muslims because we can't let islamophobia develop because that's what isis wants see here, here's the thing though that you have you have these two radically different camps of muslims and they're each saying that the other camp isn't a muslim when clearly they're all muslim like just 
doctrinally. Yeah. Like, when you look at the fundamentals of what they believe and, and the book that they're using. And I guess you could say that about Christians, Catholics, Baptists, well, in everything. All, in all, to be fair there, that's <clears throat> something that already happens among Christians. There are Protestant sects that, or Reformationists, or whatever they like to be called, who will say Catholics aren't Christians. Or, you know, you get ones like the, uh, the Mormons, I think, would generally say basically no other Christians are Christians. And lots of other Christian groups usually say Mormons aren't real Christians. Yeah. So, I mean, you are, you actually have this exact same fight in other groups. The difference is there's a significantly smaller amount. I'm leaving out England and France during a certain period here, but it was a fairly uniquely England slash French slash colonial America situation. <laughs> it wasn't as much of a worldwide thing where you saw different camps killing each other quite this much. And usually if you did, it was uh, government mandated and done with things like guillotines. There was a whole lot less of like running into each other's houses and stabbing each other. Yeah, generally, generally. But I mean, like the whole point to that is like, and, and and there are, there are like, you know, sects within the whole Muslim community. I mean, you got yeah, the Shias, yeah, the Sunnis, sects. the Alawites, and everything like that. And that seems to be where the main divide is. But, and, and I've spent a little bit of time <laughs> kind of researching the difference between them. There is a fair amount of difference. It kind of, it's kind of like, it, it all, it all kind of boils down to essentially, um, like the whole argument with Protestants versus Catholics, just to put it in a more Western oriented context of is Mary, should she be revered as she is? Right. Or is she just, you know, is she like, is she worshipped by the Catholics? Oh no, she shouldn't be. She should be respected. Or, or is like, or, is, is the, is the uh, Eucharistic service, is that actually Christ's body and blood or is it symbolic? Yeah, it's it's like those sort of like high meta level differences generally is what you see. Generally. Uh, generally. And like I said, I'm not a Muslim scholar, but I have spent a little bit of time researching these things and it kind of seems just for my in my understanding of how Protestants versus, you know, generally, uh, most Protestants and Catholicism work, that it's kind of the same divide that you have there, but there's still the same practice. It's kind of a bizarre thing where it's more specific than that. Right. You have, you have Muslims who they practice the exact same way almost, generally. Well, you're going to see, you're not likely to see see the big any camp not doing their prayers at certain times of the day, observing, uh, what's the, the long, is it, is it Ramadan? Ramadan, Ramadan, or, or praying towards Mecca. You're going to see that kind of a thing among all of them. There are there are practical similarities. Yeah, more so than I think in the varied Christian sects. You do have a very lot of similarities, and I think we may be generalizing too much. We're generalizing a little bit. You kind of have to to make it to put it into a context. But but so the but the big issue here is you. Do but there's get, a lot of parallels between. There are a lot of parallels, those. but you do get it's specific sects who tend towards their major doctrinal difference being basically whether or not you should hate people who aren't Muslim. Even beyond that, whether or not you should be killing. I mean, that's that's a legitimate thing some of them think. It, I shouldn't say not Muslim, heretics specifically, because usually it's obviously, honestly, and this is a big thing that's brought up for people who say, remember, don't think the Muslims are just out to get you. Muslims regularly kill other Muslims for not being the right sect. That's, yeah. That's a and in fact, Muslims kill more Muslims than than anything else really generally yeah it's it it's a sincere issue which on one hand again that pushes the whole idea of do you be islamophobic no but there's nothing wrong with you you do be factual accurate you have to look at the whole picture and you have to go no this isn't a problem with all muslims but this is a large problem among muslims even if it's not among a large number it's a large problem it happens to a large degree maybe not a large percent a small percent of a large group is still big yeah and there were and i'm not gonna sit here and say that you know catholicism and and protestantism didn't like they fought over you know all these things 
sure, for, for sure. years and years and years. And eventually we decided that it wasn't worth it. We're not going to kill each other most of the time anymore. Yeah, you don't see uh, Wars to the Greed. <clears throat> and even when you did, they were very... Like a war, the War of the Roses. Yes. Uh, and, the Hundred Years and a War. Lot of those, a lot of those, and this is an interesting thing to consider, is that a lot of those had other motivations. Uh, a big, a good example of the Spanish Inquisition, which is generally, you know, pointed They just out wanted oil. The Catholics went through and they just wanted to get rid of all the Jews and fake witches and stuff. But if you look at, like, the real origins of the Spanish Inquisition, a significant amount of it was basically uh, various cardinals and bishops who had entered to positions of political power <clears> or, you know, they'd become friends with dukes and so on and so forth. And that led to a lot of, and lords and whatever, that led to a lot of, well, if we use the church for it, it looks like we're being holy warriors, but this is actually, this is a very convenient way to kill all of my political enemies. um Alexander Dumas's uh, uh, Cardinal Richelieu. Exactly. Uh, from the Three exactly. Musketeers. He's, it's probably it's the best not, example. And it's not that that... I'm sure that happens with violence amidst Muslims. Because you can't really have... At no point are you going to see any kind of large-scale violence where someone somewhere doesn't go, how can I benefit from this? See, I think there's a fundamental difference here, necessarily. Um, and I think it's, at this point, cultural. And again, Christians had their problems a yeah. long time ago. But there is now, especially... And, and people will argue and say, oh, it's not anymore because people because the government still favors religion. We have this idea of of separating church and state there's nothing like that or has ever been that in muslim countries uh, that in, is for the most part true yes i mean there muslim there are a few are very... that are that are more secular yeah, but for the same, but, but generally but at the same you, you token. hear about it as a as a Muslim, an Islamic government. You hear about an Islamic government usually. Uh, yeah, and like even Assad, he was an Alawite. He. I'm saying that I'm sure there are political ones. I'm giving the benefit of a doubt there. It is mostly a religious conflict, but a large portion of that comes from, and this is also where it differs heavily from the Christian ones. Is even in the Christian ones when you saw it of any sort, uh, the, the 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 best example is probably the bloodier years of the Reformation when a lot of people are getting their heads cut off. The justifications behind it are usually based on some kind of authority figure mm -hmm. whereas for the islamic issues the justifications are usually some kind of reading of the quran or other holy text yeah it, it's usually the Quran says we need to execute apostates. And also a lot of it comes down to how you read the Quran, which leads to, and this is sort of the last major, I guess, component I want to bring up that I have a source for. And it's an article by, I'm going to try to get your name right, his name right, whatever. I say your as, as if he's listening, but Nassim Nicholas Talib, who is a New York Times bestselling author of the book, The Black Swan. He wrote an article which has appeared in Politico. I think it was initially a Facebook post, actually, that's become a Politico article hmm, it's very short it's it's worth reading and it's called the saudi wahhabis are the real foe and and his point is the way he puts it instead of invading iraq blowing up jihad john and individual terrorists and thus causing a multiplication of these agents that would have been easier for us to focus on the source of all problems the wahhibi and salifi education and the promotion of intolerance by which a shiite or yazidi or a christian or a deviant people he says it's it's this specific group of basically preachers and teachers the the Saudi Wahhabis uh, from Saudi Arabia are allied. He says it's this particular sect of teachers that teaches this kind of everyone but us, be it other sects of Muslims or non-Muslims, 
are these deviants who need to be destroyed, that it's actually their teaching that indoctrinates people to the point where they'll join ISIS, which I think if you look at it in terms of ISIS's own gray zone speech. Mm, yeah, exactly. Like you might go through this kind of speeches and come out still not actually going to join ISIS. But then when the gray zone, when the moments like the bombings and things happen, and when hatred turns on the Muslims, and thus you are pushed, as ISIS likes to say, out of the gray One zone. One way or the other. Shrinks, yeah. I think if you've had that kind of indoctrination, if you really have some kind of indoctrination that leads you to already mistrust people in some way, which direction you're going to get pushed? Probably more likely towards ISIS. So I think both Talib and, oddly, ISIS indicate the root of the problem, which is a specific kind of indoctrination that may push some people all the way there already, but furthermore prepares people to be pushed the rest of the way there if we don't delicately handle some of these situations. And it, it it's actually they one of the biggest points in the article about the gray zone, uh, well, not really the article, is more of a, I don't know what you would call it. A, a diatribe? A diatribe <laughs> or a, even like, a, I guess you'd even call it a, a diatribe and a how-to sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. The most relevant quote was actually not from ISIS or the Prophet Muhammad or anything like that. It was actually from President Bush. If you're not with us, you're against us. And that's what ISIS has taken to heart. They've kind of reflected that in the bits where they talk about Muhammad wasn't a uniter, he was a divider. He was meant to divide those who are true to Allah and Islam mm -hmm. and those who are not. Right. And that's what they that's what they believe and that's what they say themselves. And whether or not it's a truly a real form of, you know, and I'm air quoting here, a real form of Islam, like, uh, you know, other people, like other Muslims claim that it's not, it, they're still using the same sacred text. They're still using the same thing. Sure. And they're still saying, look, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they've been wildly successful with it. Well, and I think part of why, and which I think is why, is, which is I think why we really need to accept more, at least more refugees with open arms, right? And and when people to a certain say, extent, when people say the responsibility falls on us that we have somehow caused this, we haven't. I don't think that's fair, and I think the people who are saying that are in fact stupid. I, I, I what I what I think we had a hand in it. The accurate way to put it is we exacerbated it. Yes, when things happen, we exacerbate them. And I'm not going to sit here and say, <clears> oh, the the liberals are right, the conservatives with their Islam homophobia just give isis what they want because actually the liberals with the calling out every time a tragedy like paris happens within a couple minutes how we better not you know get on the muslims for this this isn't the muslims and with the the constant avoidance of even using the term islamic terrorists because we might offend somebody is actually just as much of a problem because we need to realize that not only, ISIS is right about this this gray zone concept, but ever I mean everyone in some aspect of their lives is going to be in some kind of a gray zone. And the thing to realize about the gray zone concept isn't oh we need to keep them in the gray zone. We shouldn't be placating. We shouldn't be keeping people in the gray zone. But we also shouldn't wow. be alienating. Way to be a people. placist. We shouldn't be alienating people who we could bring to our side. When a when a major tragedy happens, you don't scream oh the Muslims did it. What you do is you hunt down those Muslims, and there's huge numbers of them who immediately start start denouncing ISIS and you bring those ones in with open arms you hook up with those those are the guys who you need helping you bring the refugees in and this has happened in places like Syria where you, you look at areas where you'll 
have these marginalized Middle Eastern Christian groups that have gotten along well with margin with usually marginalized Muslim groups. Yeah. You look at those and you go, this can be done. All disagreements can be set aside. There are ways people can get along. Now, there are some people who you will never be able to get along with. ISIS is one of them. Yeah. But if we want to win the war against them, yeah, I'm not saying there's no force necessary. I don't think actually we should have boots on the ground, though that's a different discussion because we tend to, again, exacerbate situations in a huge way. But for the people coming to us and for the part of the war we have to really fight the most, it's ideological. And both sides, liberals and conservatives, tend to just go to extremes. The conservatives start screaming about how we, the liberals start blaming, screaming about how we need to blame the conservatives for being too harsh on Islamists. The conservatives start screaming about how it's all the Muslims' fault and we need to blame the liberals for pandering too much. And we're actually doing the same thing ISIS wants to do, which is divide everyone, except we're dividing ourselves when we need to be not only unifying ourselves with each other, but unifying ourselves with the people in the gray zone who could be coming out of it in our direction, even more so by doing that by offering that hand we're keeping people from leaving the gray zone in isis's direction that that said though to the point about the about the wahhabis though yeah i don't believe for a for a minute that they that they are exacerbating the situation and making it worse because wasabis are delicious like <laughs> you know as soon as you said to your point about the wahhabis i thought you're gonna make a joke about how that sounds like a food because i keep thinking it does <laughs> i was gonna make that joke earlier but this has been all downhill been listening to All Downhill. For more information about the topics discussed in this episode, including sources and show notes, as well as more episodes of All Downhill, visit alternative-internet.com forward slash all downhill. For advertising information, email Patrick Simmons, patrick at alternative-internet.com. The music used in this episode was I Have Often Told You Stories by Ivan Chu, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Thank you for listening.